just wonder um, what you'd do, what you'd think if Jesus walked in here today. What would he do? What would he think? What would he see? I'll give you three things that he would see in this church. He'd see Satan at work trying to get a foothold. He'd see the world and he'd see the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples. It's not to have a go at you, it's just to say what he'd see. Um, and basically it's what I've seen. Some of the things that I've seen. But I'm looking at it as though Jesus would look at it. And um, Jesus said, didn't he, that Satan is the murderer, the liar, and the thief. But the week I was at the youth and the girls were made piles of biscuits. Now you've done this at home. I have any of I'll be honest. Well, biscuits are going cool. Somebody walks past, picks up a biscuit. I go in, Louise has made cakes or something. I just pick it up. Eat it. You don't ask, do you? So you're taking. You're taking. The other thing is, quite often in church meetings, you have a church meeting, you say, well, we'll, we'll do some music and we'll do this and we'll do that. Uh, the, the person who does the music isn't there, but we'll, we'll put the name down for it. You don't ask them, so you're taking them for granted. But also, you're putting them in a funny place because you're taking time off them. You've already allocated a piece of time. And then you say, well, they might not want conflict. They might not want to argue with you about being, doing music that time. So actually, you put the, you've taken the peace and you've taken the well-being. Because that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to rob people's peace. He wants to rob the well-being. He wants to rob the time. He wants to do things. Satan wants to do things that aren't good. And then, just taking the mick. Taking the mickey. Does that happen in church? Well, you can have a Burnley fan sat here. And you can have a Manchester United fan stood here. And they start getting into banter. And they start taking the mick. But in God's eyes, you're taking value from somebody. You see, the standards of Jesus are so high. They're so different to us. And Jesus had said, don't take. And he does, doesn't he? He says, freely you've received, freely give. It's the world that says, give and take. Not Jesus. The world so we'd like to talk about the world in the church. Well, we can have cafe church and we can have some worldly discussions. And to be honest with you, very educated people. A lot of people in this church are, are really well educated. So you can have really de- in-depth worldly conversations. You can have it about creation. You have done. You can have it about whether the Bible's the truth or not. You have done. You can even have it about homosexuality and whether men should marry men. But the reality is, when you look at the story of... Uh, let's look at it from Jesus' point of view. Creation. It says that in the beginning, God created the universe. And then the Holy Spirit hovered over the deeps of the water. Then the sun came on, then he made light, then he made dark. God didn't do it in the order that we think when he's talking about today. And the other thing is, when the Holy Spirit's involved, it's different. Hands up who's got the gift of tongues. Who's going to be brave enough to say, I've got the gift of tongues? Quite a few people. Did you go to primary school? Learn it? Senior school? University? No, you got it in an instant. Just like that. God gave it as a gift. Bang. I did. I was sat in the car. I'd been a Christian a few months. I was sat in the car and I said, God, I don't feel any different. How do I know I'm a Christian? And the Holy Spirit hit me like a train and I was singing in this new language. And once that had happened, nobody will ever tell me there isn't a God. And the Bible isn't the truth. So we have this sort of conversation. 
but the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing that Jesus would see is the Holy Spirit moving about the church, flowing through the body of people, speaking into people, wanting to change lives, wanting to bring the truth of God. Because that's what God does. He moves with his Holy Spirit. We can talk with the conversations. I wrote a letter to David Cameron the other week. I haven't sent it yet, but I was saying to him, marriage. Be very careful what you're doing with this marriage about men marrying men. About marriage in the church. Because the Bible starts with the marriage. It starts with the union of a man and a woman. Under covenant with God. And then Jesus comes along and the night before he goes to the cross, he institutes a new covenant. But if you look at that, what we call the Last Supper is really the Jewish wedding feast. It's really the Jewish tradition of marriage. Louise should explain that. She's brilliant. That's why she's so passionate. She understands marriage. I don't. don't. I'm only just learning about covenant, really. And then it ends, doesn't it? The very end of the Bible is that Jesus comes for his bride. So I wrote to Mr. Cameron saying, Listen, those three things are in the Bible. Do you fully understand what you're doing? Be wise. I didn't criticise him. Just be wise. So what would happen if Jesus did walk in? I'm going to look at a piece of scripture where he did walk into a, a town. So I'm looking at Matthew 9, starting at verse 1. I just, um, I better give you an overview, a little bit. It's not a spiritual CV, but some of you don't know me, because I haven't been here that long. And um, you probably need to know a little bit of my background. I was saved in an Anglican church, and I've been there a couple of years, and um, we moved to a Baptist church, where I became an elder, and I was an elder for quite a few years, 10, 11 years I was, I was an elder in that church. And then, um, and during that time, myself and Louise uh, went out being missionaries in Romania, Worked in orphanages, built kindergartens, built churches, built houses, 2K trips, built playgrounds, and um, worked with Spurgeon's childcare for quite a few years. And, and Louise has been a lot more to Romania than I have. True. And then, um, then we moved to a, a non-demos, uh, a church that's sort of a free Christian church. And um, I was an elder there for a long, long time. And I worked in the community. And I worked in an Asian community. Um, taking the gospel to the Asians. That was interesting. Um, I have seen Asian ladies in the full gear come to Jesus. On the street. So, and I did many years with that. Worked in the community. And uh, worked with Tear Fund. And a, a trust called the Andrews Trust. And um, still friends with a lot of people at Tear Fund. And still know the people at um, Andrew's Trust but what that did with us for myself and Louise it put us alongside um, how can I say international ministries and took us around the world again and took us to uh, Canada America and again Louise has been to America more times than I have she, she catches all of the things of God and sometimes I, I get all of it as well and, and run in her footsteps basically um, but it's opened the door to a lot of things so I've seen a lot of things and um, God doing a lot of things and understanding from a different place and God still teaching me things that are different and then God's brought me up here to Lum, never heard of it never heard of it 2008 I was in a church in Texas um, 
they were doing a month, a month of teaching just on the songs of songs and, and becoming brides and the real revelation of what Je- Jesus is coming for a bride and the real revelation of the end times and they were doing a month's teaching on it and uh, myself and Louise were there and we'd, we'd been before and Louise has been several times to this church um, and we've become good friends with the leadership and uh, it is massive um, but the one thing was that happened was in 2008 I'm stood in a line of people waiting for prayer at the end of, um, of the service and this lady who's got a very prophetic ministry came over to me and she got hold of my hands and she said this is weird but God wants to put you into a new pasture so she said but you have to take a physical step here and now and she said I see a gate and I see a river so she got up both my hands and I went okay God whatever you want and I stepped forward that was in 2008 have you seen Forest Home Close? have you seen it? I go through a gate and what's at the bottom of the garden? a river I don't understand it Myself and Louise for many years have done crazy things and they've usually cost us. Where people move move towards the family, we moved away because we believed that God was drawing us to this area. So that's why we're here. Okay, we'll go to Matthew 9. I'm just doing verse 1 to verse 7. And I'm reading from the New King James. I like the King James Bible, it's good. So he got into a boat and crossed over and he came to his own city then behold they brought him a paralytic lying on a bed Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son be of good cheer your sins are forgiven and at once the scribes said within themselves this man blasphemes but Jesus knowing their thoughts said why do you think evil in your hearts which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you I say, arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed and went to his house. Jesus is really good. (laughs) When When he walks into places, he doesn't have worldly conversations. He doesn't um, let Satan have a foothold. Which is easier to say? Three little questions. Why is evil in your heart? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven. Or can't get up and walk. He's talking to people who know the word of God. He's talking to people who worship God. And he's talking to people who are religious. Why have you got evil in your hearts? It's interesting, isn't it? Walk into a town. That's how to make friends and eat and uh, influence people, isn't it? Ask a question like that. Can you imagine him coming in here and asking that? What you've got to understand from Jesus' point of view is that um, in chapter 8, if you look at chapter 8, you'll see that he's already healed the sick. He's already healed the leper. He's already calmed the sea. He calmed the storm. And he's already cast out demons. God, Jesus had dominion over sickness, the world, and Satan. And then God's wanting to do something else. He's wanting to move. He's wanting to show something different. 
because God had already done these things and we was wanting to show people that he was here to forgive sins so go on then which one's easiest asking a paralytic to get up or your sins are forgiven I can tell you that asking a paralytic to get up is really hard my stepdad was cycling on the road and got hit by a car and his neck was broken and he was paralysed I spent 14 months with Louise going to uh, Southport Spinal Hospital two and three times a week and couldn't move a finger it's really hard to say to that person get up and walk but for Jesus you see he knew how hard that question was because the real hard question was your sins are forgiven because for Jesus to forgive our sins he knew he had to go to that cross that is hard that is hard listen to this this will really encourage you I I discovered this the other week and I was sort of shocked Uh, it's in Isaiah 43 verse 25 and God says this I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions listen to this for my own sake and I remember your sins no more I God who blot out your sins and doing it for my sake not yours God's forgiving our sins for his sake when Jesus walks into a place when God does something when God asks questions it's beyond us I can't understand why God who created everything sent his son to die on the cross for his sake for God's soul of the world but for his sake the need of God to have me and you sins forgiven in relationship with him in such a loving relationship so I think if Jesus walked in here he'd set three questions to us I think he'd definitely ask you three questions three questions I think he'd ask here is how important are you? have you heard what I'm saying? and do you get it? Three questions. What's the little thing? Questions. What's little things? You see, you are lovely people. You are a lovely group of people to walk into this church and to. Um, you've been there for us when we've needed you. You've, you've comforted us when we needed comfort. You've been really friendly. You are lovely people. And God has been talking to you for 18 months that I know of, really speaking into your lives. But I think it's at a level that's a bit beyond you because you haven't quite grasped it I think if Jesus walked in he would say how important are you well I'm going to answer that one for you you're very very important to him very important and you're very important to this area you are children of God one John says aren't you yeah you are Peter says in 1 Peter he says you're living stones, you're being built together you're something living, you're something living living in God he also says you're a holy priesthood I'm going to come back to that you are a holy priesthood but do you know it? the other thing that you are in this area whether you know it or not, you're a remnant there's only a few of you up here isn't there? and if you look how the distances. You know, from here up to the top of, what is it called, Crown Point? I don't know the area that well. There isn't anything. It's a few miles to a church that way. 
But going over that way, it's miles to a church. And going over that way, it's miles to a church. 70 square miles, is that? Shall we guess at 20? 28? Square miles? All the people in this area that need to know the gospel. You're important. You're a priesthood. You're children of God. You're spiritual people. You're important. Have you heard what he's been saying? Have you heard what God's been saying? He's been talking about being different, about walking different. I was, um, and he's not just talking to it here, he's talking to it at the valley. Um, I went to one of your celebrations, I've only been to two, but the first one I went to, I got really shocked because the Spirit of God came on me and I was quaking. I know what Richard thought because he, he was sat next to me. And I, I got, was shaking like mad and I got the word and I got this and I said this prayer about walking different. That's just how God does with me. He just says things, he just comes on me in the Spirit. And um, I found that I have to be obedient. And sometimes it's a bit embarrassing because like, you think you can't say that. But I have to be obedient to what God's saying. And um, he was talking about walking differently. You see, you are a Christian community. God wants you to walk in love. He don't want you to grieve the spirit with worldly conversations. He wants you to be kind to each other. He doesn't want you to be foolish. He wants you to be wise. He also wants you to redeem the time. Time is short. He wants you to be purposed in what God's called you to. Individually. I'm talking to me as well. You know, when I'm, when I'm talking, I know that God's speaking to me as well about being purposed. It's not just for, I'm not talking down to you, I'm talking to me as well. Be purposed in what he's called you to. Be full of grace and love to each other. To people out there. Redeem the time. Be wise. You see, it's not just walking across a room. It's not just opening the door to the community. It's much, much more beyond that. Much, much more. See, I've been here for 18 months and I've not seen anybody saved in this church. I've been here for 18 months and I've not seen anybody been baptised. I've never seen that before. In all the time I've been a Christian, I've never been at a church where nobody's been saved that I know of. I've never been at a church where nobody's been baptised. It shocked me. I've got to be honest, it has shocked me. And I've been asking God, why have you brought me here? Why, why, what are you doing God? Why am I here? What, 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 what's, what's happening? What's stopping the things of God happening? You see, God's looking at our hearts, isn't he? He's looking at the heart of his church. He's looking at the heart of the people. And he's talking about change. Like I said, he's not just talking about it to this church he's talking about it to the valley the last um, celebration we went to the guy from uh, K Street was speaking and he said to you know because he's talking to several churches when he's talking he said we used to be a lifeboat station and now we're a yacht club he was being very nice about it really what he should have said was listen we're not functioning as a church should function you know I'm talking to you from an eldership point of view because I believe once you've been anointed at that level and the people I've been alongside I'm talking to you as a body of people but actually knowing you and getting to know you you're really gifted people you're gifted you know, you, you, you're clever people 
but you're also gifting in spiritual things. When I talk to people and they, they give you the, like, their history and get to know you, you're gifted people. God's got a real good bunch of people here. God's got a really good gifted people. God's got people that he loves. And he doesn't want you just to be servants. You know, the Baptist church, it's, you go into a Baptist church and it's serve, 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 serve. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong in that. But um, in John 15, 15, Jesus says to his disciples, listen, I don't call you servants any longer. I call you friends. I call you friends. Because friends know what the Father's doing. But you see, it's going deeper than that. God's moving deeper than that. Because when he met Peter, he said, Listen, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? He didn't say, Listen, lad, go out and serve me. He said, Do you love me? And it goes deeper than that. There's much more to it than that. Because Jesus is coming back for a bride. People who are intimately in love with him. Intimate relationship with God. You know, the Holy Spirit is, um, is moving in the church. It's been moving over many years and it's been, you know, people have been noticing the gifts, prophecy, tongues, healings and all sorts of things. But the crest of the wave, the thing that God is speaking to his church around the world now is about the bride. Because God's coming for a bride. And we are in the end time. We are in the end time. Do you get it? God had said that, didn't he? Do you get it? Do you get what he wants in your heart? Do you understand it? You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and love your neighbour as yourself. Sometimes, though, it's hard to love people if you don't even love yourself. We need the love of God in us to love people. I want to talk to the deacons, leaders of the church because um, I'm not in that position but it makes you think some of the questions that are being asked some of the worldly discussions you've had I think they're the wrong questions I think as a leadership you should be asking the question of what do we do to bring the tangible presence of God into this place how do we discern the callings and giftings that are in these people's lives what God's put them, what, where, where he's anointed these people. How do we move? How do we move as a leadership? How do we move as a leadership to allow and encourage these people to move in the giftings and callings? Why don't people come forward for prayer? We're a priestly king, we're a priestly people. In 1 Timothy 14, Paul says, doesn't he? He says, do not neglect the gifting that is on your in you by prophecy and with the laying on the hands of the eldership leaders I'm talking to the leaders I believe God's calling to you to walk in your calling to walk as leaders should be examples to people lay hands on people pray with them pray for them encourage them Meet, get close to people ask find out what the callings are what the giftings are what the movement of God is in this place the area is massive. 20 odd square miles. Nothing else. 
You're important. Your kingdom come. God's been speaking to you. Your kingdom come. When I came to this church, at first I was really excited because God had been talking to me about his kingdom coming in my life. And um, I walked in and he had the notices up, your kingdom come. And then Michael had written a song. He'd written um, a song unto your kingdom come. Really anointed song. So I was really excited. I thought, this church has got something. Something's going to... Something's got to break out here, God, because that's what you're speaking to me about. Now you've got wait, you know, those who wait on hope on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord. To wait on God, you know, um, <laughs> it's hard. To stop for a couple of weeks, lie on the floor and say, okay, God, I'll wait for you. It's hard. I've met people who've done it. It's hard. And when God does start to turn up, I've done it. I've waited on God. But when God turns up, it gets a bit hot under the collar. Because he starts showing you things about your life. But that's what you're saying as a church you're going to do. You're going to hope and wait on the Lord. And then, do you remember the, uh, the fun day that you had? Um, the meeting of the fun day was a prayer night. And um, Julie brought a word. And I believe it was a prophetic word for the church. And... Um, She was talking about the spies going out into the promised land. And I believe that God's talking us to go out into this land in faith and believe we can gain back the ground that the enemy has took. And believe that people do want to go to heaven. I'm sure that nobody who understands heaven and hell wants to go to hell. I'm sure that nobody wants the children to go to hell. I'm sure that nobody wants the grandchildren to go to hell. So they must want them to go to heaven. Are we a society that believes in heaven and hell anymore? Well, the problem is that because, because people aren't taught anymore about heaven and hell, when people commit an horrendous crime and they get 16 years in prison, they see that as the judgment. They've, they've done the time. Nobody's told them, have they, that actually there's another judgment coming. And that's what's wrong with society. That's why society is struggling at the moment. Because actually, people aren't being told the truth. So they're not living in the truth. So they're not understanding the truth. So they think they've paid the price. We have the truth. We need to tell people the truth. And then you look at the church, our church here, and you think, is God moving in this place? Well, when you see guardians being done by the world, when you see people from Asda coming in and giving you things, you know that somewhere in the heavenlies, the world's beginning to bow the knee to Christ. And you know that somewhere, God's on the move. And then the fun day came, and um, it was a lovely weather, wasn't it? <laughs> but Peter had been praying for weeks for sunshine, because he wanted people to have fun. And Richard had been sort of wanting the church full of people. So God did both. He brought the people inside having fun, and he brought them into church. And I believe that's a prophetic picture for you as well. That people can come into this church and have fun together and love each other and know God. Do you get it? Eldership again. Leadership. I think you should pray through your building. I think you should pray through your baptistry. I think you should look at past teachings and look, has anything been said that blocks the flow of the Spirit? The flow of God in this place. Because it ain't flowing. I'll be honest. But it ain't flowing in the valley. Because the guy at K Street said, 
We used to be a light boat station, now we're a yacht club. As something blocks something off in this, in this, this valley. Redeem the time, it's important. Listen, I believe God would encourage you. Jesus would encourage you to walk in the Spirit. Jesus would encourage you to get close to him. Because he's coming back. And one day we'll walk into this world. You know, where people talk about global warming. I don't talk about global warming. Because scripture says, Jesus said, didn't he? When I come again, before I come again, there's, there's signs there. The signs that I'm coming again are floods and famine and changes in the weather. The other thing he says is that the moon will change, will turn blood red. I thought that would be some disaster in space or something like that. Um, again, I was in Texas and I met this really, really clever lady. So clever, it's unbelievable. She works for NASA. She was a mathematician. She had something. She'd been to Oxford um, because they'd offered her a job to teach maths at Oxford and computer sciences. She was so clever. And uh, she could go out in the night sky and, and just name every star. It was like unbelievable. Um, but she was telling me not all when the moon's going to turn blood red. They, they call it a blood moon. They know when it's going to happen. It, it happens quite every 400 years or something like that. But actually, between 2008 and 2015, it happens five times. But God said that would happen. The financial thing at the moment... We're into a, a big, long financial problems, aren't we? Years of financial trouble. Nobody's got the answers. Hello, hello, turn that phone off. <laughs> you know, we're into financial problems, aren't we? Nobody's got the answer. The world's in a mess. Listen, the financial systems have to collapse. They will collapse. Because in the end time, the mark of the beast comes in. Nobody can trade or do anything unless they have the mark of the beast. We're getting towards the end times. Things are happening. We know we're in the end times because it says at the end times men will become lovers of themselves. We're in the end times. God's asking us to become wise. He's asking us to understand the time we're in. He's asking us to walk as godly people. He's asking us to become a priesthood. It ain't a joke. You are a remnant. There's only you in this area. You are great people. You're very important. I want to encourage you today that that's what Jesus said. You are very important. If you understand the times, if you understand about heaven and hell, if you understand what God's calling you to, not calling you to a Baptist church, he's calling you to the kingdom of heaven. He's not calling you to religion and tradition. He's calling you to the kingdom of heaven. He's not calling you to walk as men in this world he's, and women of this world. He's walking as priests and kings. Children of God who are priestly people praying for the nation, praying for each other and walking in faith and hope. Because who else has got it? Sounds an hard word. I mean, it isn't. It isn't an hard word. It's just the truth of who we are. There are people in here who might not have asked Jesus into their life. They might not even believe in, in Jesus. I've got news for you. You might not believe in Jesus, but he really believes in you. Because everybody in this world, he wants to in the kingdom of heaven. And he also wants to, them to get saved during their lifetime so that they can be used by him so they can save other people. 
because it's a rolling thing, isn't it? It goes through generation after generation after generation. If you don't know Jesus today, I, I beg you, do you want to go to hell? Don't believe in hell? Well, okay. It does, it exists. Jesus said it does. Don't believe in heaven. Well, Jesus said, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. You know, like I said today, the Last Supper is the bridal, the Jewish bridal thing. The Jews pass the wine to the bride. She picks it up and drinks it. Then he goes away and he builds a house. And then all of a sudden he comes. He doesn't tell them when he's coming for his bride. He just comes back. Jesus is just fulfilling the Jewish bridal thing. God is at work in this world. Because he's coming back for his people. Please understand it. Please walk differently. You're wonderful, wonderful people. If you walk in the spirit as wonderful, wonderful people, as priestly people, as children of God, this church would have a big effect on that big area. It's up to us. It's up to me. It's up to you. It's up to the leadership. It's up to us. God's wisdom, like I said the other week, was to put the gospel in your hands. God's wisdom was to put faith in your hands. God's wisdom was to put the hope of the nation in your hands. Did you get it? Did you get it? One day, he will come back and he'll just walk in, just like Abby. Boo. Understand that. It might be closer than we think. Amen.